Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back, Redheads. Happy Thursday. We are up to about week eight in the queue. I think this is the third quarantine episode of the Redheads. How is everyone doing? Teacher Jackie is here, and I'm going to start at the top of my Zoom Dana, how are you doing today? I'm good. I smell so bad. But besides (laughs) that, (laughs) just another day in quarantine. How are your hairy legs doing? Oh, I mean, I DM'd Snitch because I saw she shaved her legs and I actually felt really, really abandoned. And uh, mine are fully hairier than ever. Like, I will never be able to shave them without choppers and scissors and just (laughs) lawnmowers. Okay, I just need to speak on that because, like, you know I had your back and, like, I was not planning on shaving my legs, but, like, they were getting to a point where they were so long and so itchy that they were literally, like, waking me up in my sleep because my legs were, like, (laughs) itchy and in pain from my leg hair. So I was like, okay, like, this wasn't supposed to be a method of torture, so then I shaved my legs. Do you understand? Like, I didn't want to, but, like, I had to. As someone... Yeah, I was there, like... Three weeks ago, I just pushed through it. Yeah, honestly, that's me after, like, three hours, so I feel your pain. <laughs> honestly, though, like, there's something to be said about having shaved legs. Like, they're nice. I know. If that's, like, nice. the Dana, luxury... I want to see a picture of yours. Oh, I saw hers. They're nuts. Oh, she's going to show us. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <gasps> Caveman. <laughs> oh, my God, Dana. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Dana, you have... Oh, my God. It's oh worse God. than I could have ever you imagined. Guys. Oh, my God. Mine, guys... mine didn't look like that. Like, mine were, like, black and long, but, like, they weren't like that. Yeah, I oh fought through the itchy phase, and that's where I am. Nice, long, and beautiful. Oh, my God. What I'm does your fiancé think? He's right. disgusted. <laughs> They're longer than his I... own hair. Yeah. The wedding is off and not because of Corona. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but also my God. Because of that's corona. the craziest thing I've ever seen. But also because of Corona. Dana, I'm going to post a picture of that to um, the Redheads Instagram just so that people know, like, why we're so in shock because I've never seen anything like that in my entire life. Also, my you mutations are duty brown and hairy legs. So I don't know what that says about yes. me. That makes sense. That says, it says everything about it's you. It's on brand. You're building a brand, Dana. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it works. Wow. Okay, Bex, how are you doing? I'm doing well, you guys. You know, I'm just trying to take it day by day. It's getting tougher. I will say that. But yeah, reading is decent. It's helping me through <laughs> this podcast. Something to look forward to. The bright spot amongst a sea of dark clouds. <laughs> I so feel that. Snitch, how about you? 
Oh, I, I thought that I had answered. I'm doing good. You know, it's my birthday week. So like, I really am not letting anything get me bogged down besides for the fact that I can't really have a birthday. But besides that, you know, um, all's well that ends well. I got a new computer and it's breathing. So no problems have been solved. And that's it. Great. Well, I'm glad to see everyone's doing as well as possible. We have a great episode for you today because we had a great book this uh, half of month. Another Snitch's Choice. We read In Five Years by Rebecca Searle. I'm so excited to get into the book. I read it last night. How long did it take everyone to read this book? It took me about five hours flat. It took me six hours in one sitting. In In five hours. I mean... I don't know if people know this about me, but I'm an extremely slow reader. I feel like I might talk about this in every episode, but I'm not sure if I talk about about it like amongst the crew or broadcasted live. But I'm a slow reader. It took me probably a day and a half, two days, which all things considered is a very long time. Yeah, I'd say cumulatively four to five hours, but I started it Friday night and finished it Saturday. So maybe like two hours versus three hours. Got it. But also, I didn't give myself any time. Like, I knew I had to finish it last night or else I wasn't going to have any time today. So I wonder if I had just read it leisurely, like if I would have taken breaks. But I like just doing it in one sitting because I like having the book in my head. Um, That's the best way to read. Yeah, it's a good way to go. So I'm excited to hear all of your thoughts because obviously the redheads love the book. I mean, it's one of those books where they're like, there's nothing not to like unless it's not your type of book. So... I think first we'll get into the summary of what went down, just in case you are someone who loves our personalities and hates to read. Um, The book, In Five Years, it's a bit of a romantic comedy genre of books. Uh, It's about a girl named Danny who is a nice Jewish girl living in Murray Hill, like very determined on the fast track. She's a lawyer. She knows what she wants out of life. She's from the main line. I actually uh, envision her looking a little bit like Rebecca because she's legit from Rebecca's town and it's written by Rebecca Searle. And they literally talk about like Rittenhouse in the book and your last name's Rittenberg and it's just like a book about you. Oh, I mean, it was a parallel life. Like the entire time, like the Harridan High School, which is the high school opposite of my town, like it's just the the talk about Margate which is the the beach town that we go to all of it is just an exact replica of the life I live <laughs> however I don't right. have nearly a demanding as job and mm, I just don't have that kind of like personal life <laughs> yeah. yeah no she was really intense so in the book starts and she you know she's has a job interview she knows she's getting engaged that night she literally has her whole life planned down to a T she gets the job and she does get engaged and she takes a nap and in her nap she has a very vivid dream about five years in the future her living in a different apartment there is a different man there and she's just like how did this become my life in five years when that's not the plan that I had set forth for myself she wakes up from the dream and basically goes about the next five years kind of always with this dream in the back of her head like knowing that she might be with someone else that she had this like feeling of love for and just sort of questioning her life, but making the decision to continue down the path that she originally intended to go down and making sure she does not go down this other path and end up where the dream ends her up. Long story short, her best friend, who's really the Serena to her Blair, it's that very obvious friendship trope of the free spirit and the hard ass. Um, Her best friend, gets a new boyfriend brings Danny to meet her boyfriend about five months before the dream's supposed to come to life and the boyfriend is the guy from her dream and so she's struggling with all of this fast forward a few months her best friend gets cancer um stage three cancer and has a few months to live and eventually 
spoiler alert, um, her friend passes away and the dream comes true, but not in the way that we originally thought. It's not a love between the two of them. It's this shared grief over this person that they loved. Um, but the story raises a lot of questions about love and relationships and what it all means. So before we get into DBQs and themes and the big questions, what did everyone think of the book? Snitch, let's start with you because it was a snitch's choice. I thought that it was a great book. It really like got you just sucked in from the beginning. Like you never want to put it down. Um, there were a lot of twists and turns that I just like wasn't expecting. Like I really didn't see the cancer coming. I really didn't see like the ending coming with like it all just ended up being about grief and not love. And it wasn't this like big love story. Um, there was like a lot of like morality issues in it in the sense of like, did I even want her and Aaron to be together? But like when I was reading it, I was rooting for Danny and Aaron because that's just what I was set up to do. So there's a lot of inner conflict, which I enjoyed. But, um, I mean, it was just, like, such an emotional book, and, like, it was just, like, not what I really needed to read, like, during the queue, you know? So, like, that was just, like, I probably should have done a little bit more research on, like, how sad it was. And, like, I kind of loved, because I've never really read, like, a book about, like, friendship, like, your best friend. Like, it's always about, like, a boy and a girl and all that. So that was kind of nice to read, that, like, you know, someone could buy an apartment for you and all that. Um, Yeah. But... I thought it was great. I will say if I had to compare my two books, I would say Before We Were Strangers was better. However, I still thought that it was a great and easy read. Agreed. Bex? I hear you, Snitch. Uh, Overall, I would say that it wasn't my favorite read. I agree. It could be just kind of the condition that we're currently in right now. The fact that we're just locked in the queue. It was was really sad. It was, like, heart-wrenching. And so I just, like, had trouble getting through the end. I also thought it was interesting that this entire plot was hinged on this vision that Danny had. I was confused what it was, though. I was like, is this a dream? Is this a premonition? Like, are we going down the sci-fi route? Like, is this magical realism? Like, what exactly is going on? And I felt like we just all assumed that it was a dream. But, like, it's a pretty severe dream to have. Like, down to, like, the fact that it haunts her for the subsequent five years. So I just, (laughs) that kind of threw me a tiny bit. Um, and I thought that, yes, it took a lot of twists and turns, but it kind of felt a little disjointed at times. Like I wasn't positive if it was a love story, if it was a story about loyalty and friendship. And I feel like a lot of times that can be a good thing, but it didn't totally land for me in this book. And I just was, I wrapped it up and it was a quick read and I always appreciate that because I'm a slow reader, but it wasn't, it wasn't it for me. Fair. Dana? Dana? Interesting. I really liked it. It touched upon one of my favorite themes, which like ties into my favorite butterfly effect concept, which is just like the action of one thing can change your future forever. And that of like fate versus free will all tied in. I loved how they did that. What I didn't like so much, and this was probably on me because I should have just suspended my disbelief because it's a book, but like I felt such frustration in the fact that she had this vision and like wasn't telling anyone. Like I obviously get that you don't want to tell your soon-to-be fiat husband that you had a sex dream about someone, but why couldn't you just be like, this is torturing me to the point where I can't marry you? Like I had this dream vision of this blonde man and oh my god, now he's existence he exists in Bella's boyfriend. Like I wish she could have just been more open with someone other than her therapist because it felt frustrating to have the secret that didn't really need to be a secret because it wasn't her own fault. Like she was the one having a vision. But I thought what Snitch said was really interesting about how she was set up to think it was a love story. So she was kind of rooting for Aaron. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that just like ties in together the entire concept of being set up to think a certain way, like filling in the clues, like trying to guess what your future is going to be. Like you have these hints, so how can you reconcile it? And it's more just like, let your life go as it unfolds. Because if you are constantly trying to fill in a jigsaw puzzle, like you're going to torture yourself. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I, I hate to have to follow up that analysis. Um, but <laughs> yeah, but right. here I go with my surface level interpretation, <laughs> which is that I liked it. I liked it. And mostly because I liked the writing. I thought it, I liked the writing style of the author. I loved the setting. It was just like Murray Hill, 28, Jewish, like lawyer, ambitious friendship. Like it just was. Every, and I think she did a really good job of like hitting those big New York places and moments and just the spirit yeah. of a New Yorker, especially like, um, someone, I mean, I'm 27 Jewish. I used, I just lived, moved out of Murray Hill. Like I feel you to the core. I would never eat a white fish bagel from Sarge's before a big meeting. <laughs> oh my God. That was bothering me so much. Also of all the places in Murray Hill, like the bagels at Sarge's aren't, is not, not no, like that but was, Sarge's is so good. Their chicken tenders are right. amazing. I know. But, like, that's just but not... But who eats, like, a big fishy bagel before the biggest meeting of their life? Like, that totally. was definitely a plot hole for me. Um, other than that, I, I, I just enjoyed the place where it was. And I felt like the moral questions and just sort of the life lessons that Danny is needing to process and learn are very real. You know, when she talks about being on a parallel track to her partner, is this love, but I'm not in love. Her relationship with Bella, which is like a great friendship, but also can be viewed as just a sisterhood. I see them more as sisters than as friends. Um, I liked all of that. You know, it all felt very real to me. Ultimately, uh, the way that it ended, like it wasn't my favorite story but I I very much enjoyed it so I look forward to getting into all the reasons why shall we we shall shall. (laughs) okay first up we're going to go into some of the themes that I felt really captured the story the first one is um friendship and I just talked about this a little bit but the friendship between Danny and Bella is really like the the glue that holds this whole book together, you know? So what did you make of their relationship? Um, Any thoughts? You know, it's so funny that you say it's the glue that holds this whole book together. I think that in the second half of the book, that's definitely the truth. But the first half, I didn't realize that it was such a story about friendship. Like, I thought that their dynamic was kind of like, not love-hate, but like there was like some tension at times or like some animosity. Like, the descriptions of Bella from from Danny at the start of the book where like she's like whimsical and kind of a flake yeah and so it was like okay um I'm not positive what this dynamic looks like and then fast forward towards the end of the book where it's this passionate romantic love story of friendship which is beautiful I was just not expecting it so you know I totally I totally agree. I agree with that too Um, At first, I was like, oh, she's going to have to, you know, throw away her best friend because her best friend met the guy before her. Um, I did not think if it was a story about such a close friendship. I thought it was like sort of like a frenemy vibe. Also, who here has read One Day in December? I have, Margot. This book reminded me of that book so much because it's that exact sort of story. Only in the be- only in the beginning, though. Like, once it turned, like, so different and it was, like, about the friendship and about, like, 
the cancer and all that. Like, it was not that. It, the only thing similar was that she liked her best friend's boyfriend. But because she had a fucking premonition no, but about like, him. In One Day in December, Lori has that premonition, too, when she sees the guy at the bus stop. It just gave me a very similar vibe. And I loved that book. And that book was a lot. That's That fair. book was a lot longer. So I feel like it was better because it, so it much went longer. into everything. Like, over the span of 12 years, like, you're getting every little moment. Whereas this book kind of it was... Four years were fast-forwarded, then the next six months were fast-forwarded, and the last six months were dragged out. But I agree with the initial friendship not being what you what it ended up being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it was kind of hard to, like, believe that that's what the friendship ended up being because they were trying to sell us on this fact that, like, she was in love with Bella and would do anything for her, and she didn't even, like... She wasn't present at all during the summer where when her and Aaron's relationship blossomed. Like, when they got coffee, they seemed to have kind of a surface conversation. Like, I know that it ended up being this great friendship, but I was almost annoyed by that because I was like, you, I feel like you're forcing this theme on us that we're now having to deal with her death, so it's, like, making the book heavier, but they didn't have that friendship. I agree beginning. with that. It's, like, the last 10 years, what, they saw each other a couple times a year. She yeah. was, like, a nuisance to her, and... Yeah, I agree. Cinch, any thoughts? No, I like. I never thought that this is going to be a um, a book about friendship. It's just like so not my vibe to like read about other people's friendships. You know, like I don't really care that much about someone else's friendship other than my own. <laughs> um, but you know, I was wrong because it was a really beautiful story and like it was just very touching and like there was just so many things about the book that I enjoyed that like I just like it was it was very relatable. The book, besides like the whole travesty. Um, but I, I enjoyed the friendship aspect, even though I would, I would think that I wouldn't. Yeah, and I also liked how, it, and this kind of bleeds into the next scene, which is love. And by the end, when Bella and Danny are talking about the different types of love and how Danny's capable of having a real big love, because that's the way that Danny loves Bella. Oh I my just God, felt I was like bawling. that really summed it up for me you know and even though it took us a while to get there and understand that love and that friendship like whatever by the end I got it and it begs this question of like can the biggest love in your life or should or or what do you think about that if the biggest love of your life isn't your partner but it's someone else in your life I get that like the crowd is speechless no like (laughs) that I see that like some people like have very like pragmatic relationships and it's just like it's not the biggest love of their life but like they make each other like happy and they like are a safety for one another but like some people like they they prioritize their friendships so much and like their friends are like their best friends and it's like someone that you're like married to or something like that like that can always go away but like friendships most of the time like are always there yeah so I don't think the best, I don't think the best marriages are even those that are the greatest loves. Like, I think she actually would have been better off if she just married David and they had a very nice life together and she didn't have this, like, crazy love that she was searching for. It's like, what she had was good enough, not to be, like, the least romantic person in the world. But I didn't think, I didn't think Bella's advice was good. I thought she should have married him and just went on with it. She was happy. Yeah, no, I I agree with that, like, fully. Like, she should have. a really good point. She should have just been with David. Yeah. Just bite the bullet, marry the perfect man. No, and also, we need to, like, unpack David in a little bit, but also, like, at the... Justice for David. Throughout the book, I'm, like, shipping her and Aaron. I'm, like, when do they get together and, like, live in Dumbo and have, like, a steamy life? But once I realize that that's not what's happening and, like, he leaves and she goes to get a bagel, I'm, like, you should call David. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes. I love how the book is just like, when is it going to happen? Oh my God, we're only one month away. We're only two weeks away. We're only a week away. Like they don't like each other yet. Like something must be wrong. It's like, you're just waiting and waiting the whole book. And I like that technique. And then it's like it just goes she- grief. Yeah. Bye. No, what's so interesting is I feel like we all had a different expectation about how the book was going to unfold because for me I was like oh my god oh my god thank god this hasn't gone down yet because the last thing I want to do is see this chick's life blown up like I don't want her to get with Aaron like I don't want this premonition to come true I feel like she might have control over how this narrative ends so the fact that there's a we're a week away or a month away whatever the timeline is and they're still not together I'm like great she's she's like adjusting fate it's not going to happen the way we thought Right, also, like, what kind of bothers me is, like, if you know that you're, like, she knew that she was gonna kiss Aaron, like, in that dress after her best friend's funeral, so it's, like, if you know it's gonna happen, like, make sure it doesn't. Well, do we have any free will, or is our fate predetermined for us? But, like, you still have to literally purse your lips, you know? Like, (laughs) that is the next big theme. This book really has this overarching question of fate versus free will. And was she fated to end up sleeping with Aaron? Did she have a choice in the matter, or was it destined to be? Um, I think that's something that uh, the book... It's a concept that the book plays with throughout the novel. Danny fights to change the fate she saw laid out in her vision. Aaron told Bella he was fated to end up with her. How do you think fate and free will interact in the novel? And do you think at the end the book comes down on one side over the other? Um, I definitely don't think her fate or free will forced her to sleep with her best friend's fiancé when her best friend is still on this... No, no. even before that. Oh, yeah, they, they kissed. kissed. When they, kissed. Kiss. they kissed. Oh, right, when they kissed, yeah. Oh, they didn't sleep together? Okay, I'm sorry. A kiss is worse. <laughs> yeah, I A kiss agree. is intimate. Yeah, I, I mean, it's just like, it's just like that, that did not, that was not fated to happen. Like, two bodies very much coerced themselves to make that happen. Agreed, agreed. So... But they, I don't know, I had, it was a, a touch problematic from my end. Yeah, like, Bella was legitimately dying, like, a few blocks away, and they just, but, like, are macking it. Yeah, but people say in grief, like, you really come together as the two most important people of said grief's person, and it happens all the time. Not that I'm commending it, but what I kept thinking about is, like, what if she never had the vision then she would have married David. Like, the whole thing was put into motion because she had the dream. Like, if that never happened, she wouldn't have then been hesitant. Yes, she made it happen because of this fucking dream. Yes. 100. Oh, my God, I never even thought of it that way. She was a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yes, yes. Because it put this shit in her head. Yes. Yes. Do you really think so? I, for some reason, don't think that 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 the vision was the was the rationale behind her not marrying David. Like, I actually feel like their lives just got busy, but I don't think... She never outright said, like, this was the driver behind the reason why we didn't get married. She kind of did, that she said it was just in the back of her head. And also, I think, like, once she woke up from her dream, like, she was obviously disappointed in her life. And it was the first time in her life where she was like, maybe this isn't my plan. But, like, she was still thinking rationally. But I think her subconscious was like, no, there's more out there. Chasing that feeling that she had in the dream that she didn't know that she could feel. It was Inception. They put it in her dream so they could change her future. 
But it's is that also, what Inception is? Oh my god, if you not seen that movie, it's so good. No, you I keep meaning to. It. It, you would love okay, it. Okay, I will. But okay. it's also kind of annoying that she was so obsessed with this premonition dream that she had five years ago, and then as soon as she meets Aaron, she's like, "Oh, I kind of forgot about it after that. Like it seemed less important. It's like now it's less important. You have postponed your marriage for five years, and then you meet the guy that's been the postponement reason, and now you're kind of getting over it and like accepting the reality because you don't think it's going to happen. Like it just didn't make sense to me." Yeah, also, she's such a logical, focused person, like, cra- like legit crazy. I don't think a person that driven and focused gets sidetracked by a dream. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why I don't think that the dream was what caused her her delay of all planning the, the wedding. Like, I just felt like it, there was so much more than that, that, like, this one thing wasn't going to be the 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 straw that broke the wedding planning's back. Yeah. But what but didn't I mean, really line up for me was that, like, she was such a pragmatic, logical, like, practical person. Like, why shouldn't she be in the same type of marriage? Yeah. Opposites attract. But that's why the book's good, because it, like, forces these questions that don't have a yes or no clear-cut answer. It's like, was it the vision? Was it not? Was she always going to feel this way? Was she not? Was it life? Like, they did a good job forcing the reader to question it, but it was frustrating for sure. Yeah, and it's like, should she have ended up with David? Should she have broken up with him? Like, honestly, that's still up for debate, and we're going to get to those questions because I think it's time for some DBQs. Let's hit it. Are you- yes, last thing I'll say is, honestly, she's going to end up with a doctor anyway, so, like, girl has it set up. Yeah, she's fine. <laughs> oh, totally, but we need to talk about that. Okay. In the meantime, I want to let you guys know about Beachbody. Beachbody is amazing. It's the easy-to-use streaming service that gives you instant access to to over 1,300 super effective workouts. It's suited for anybody at any time. The secret to getting results is getting started. Okay, I love Beachbody, especially at home, because you can work out on your schedule with workouts as short as 10 minutes that don't require extra equipment. They have great celebrity trainers who help you get motivated and amazing programs that just help you get in shape in the queue as snatchlered as possible. So I love to do the at-home workouts with Beachbody. Um, we've been using Beachbody since for a while because we um, they sponsor the Toast also, but I recently shared um, Beachbody with Dane and Rebecca to help them get moving during the queue. What are your guys' thoughts? I mean, I have been just postponing any workout, blaming it on the fact that my wedding probably won't happen anyway, so I have zero motivation. And then I realized that was just a cop-out, and this was what I really needed to motivate me to work out. Totally. Totally agree. I feel like it was hard for me following my COVID diagnosis to get motivated and, like, get back into a routine. And Beachbody was the only thing that, like, got me actually back on track. And thank goodness because I was stagnant. Definitely. We really want you to try Beachbody because we think it will be great. Enhance your quarantine. Easy to work out at home and just get on track and and add some sweat to your schedule. Right now, our listeners can get a special free trial membership when you text BOOK to 303030. Text BOOK to 303030. You will get full access to this entire platform for free. All the workouts, the nutrition information, and support, totally free. Again, just text BOOK to 303030. You guys will not regret it. It is a great platform. And I'm so glad I've been able to share it with my friends and the redheads. 
same. Okay, let's get into the DBQs. Um, I also love this book because it had a reader's guide at the back, making my questions a lot easier. And they ask really good questions. They're like the real teachery questions, you know? Yeah. Also, the redheads submitted questions uh, for the book, obviously, the community. And they're such good questions. They're actually better than the, the ones in the back of the book. But we'll wow. get there. From the beginning of the book, we learn that Danny has rules and plans for everything. Do you think this helps or hinders her? How does her philosophy regarding keeping everything in place change over the course of the novel? I mean, I think her control was in part, obviously, a defense mechanism towards her brother's death because she felt like her Mm -hmm. life was spiraling. And I mean, there are worse alternatives to choose from to deal with that, like drinking and drugs. So if she's going to then choose to become like a great lawyer and control her life, that's great. So I think in that sense, it did help her. However, there's the obvious answer of it hindered her because she was so focused on the control and the future that she perhaps lapsed in judgment of, oh, my fiance is not the greatest love of my life and maybe I need that. Or when it came to Bella getting sick, it was something she realized she couldn't control. And then once you spend your whole life operating a certain way and you're suddenly forced to realize that the world is going on without you, it's a little more damaging than to someone who realized that less than a while ago. Amen, sis. Yeah. Preach. I think you really touched all the points there. <laughs> yeah, I, honestly, I think I think that you did too. In the beginning, her control was out of control, like down to what she needs to eat for her breakfast, to the champagne that they're going to drink and the wine. Um, she definitely loosens up towards the end, mostly because she realizes once again that life is out of her control. But she even pushes Bella away, like while she's sick, with all of this control stuff. And obviously it takes a while to undo some of these habits she's built up for herself, but that's just not a way to live, you know? Yeah, it's interesting because she plans her entire engagement essentially, knows exactly what's going to happen to a T the entire, like throughout the duration of the evening. And, you know, it didn't even end up turning into a marriage for her. So I feel like she probably kind of plucked inspiration from Bella's way of life by like kind of just not having so many guidelines and restrictions and like being so regimented. And so I feel like there's like some influence between from Bella to Danny. Yeah. Yeah. And and like, obviously I understand that control is a foil to the spiral that occurred thereafter to like create these two different scenarios. I just fucking hate in books when the like main character is this control freak and they go through this whole step-by-step of like oh I have to cancel my plans and stay in the office all weekend and sleep through breakfast lunch and dinner and not see my friends and not go to this wedding I love it like I'm out about that personality type it's so irritating and like it happens all the time with these heroines in these books especially females who are like thriving on that life where they have no life and I just can't relate to it I, I literally, that's the funniest thing you've ever said. I couldn't agree more. Like when she was like, I love it. Like, yeah. Just, no, you don't. Yeah. Like there's no way. Yeah. In oh, her wait. interview and she's like, this energy I crave. Yes. Oh my God. I can't. Ever since yeah. I was five years old in Rockefeller Center, I knew I wanted to have zero sleep when I was 30 years old. Like I hate yeah, that. I knew I wanted to be a corporate lawyer. <laughs> At Wachtell. Like What? I can't name one corporate law firm in New York. Very true. Oh, my God. 
Yeah, but she definitely gets better throughout the book. Because in the beginning, I was like, damn, like, this is not my kind of girl. But then towards, like, the middle when they're in the Hamptons and the end, I'm just like, she's loosening up. Yeah. Yeah, no. Like, beginning Danny, I didn't really care for. But she didn't really bother me. Like, as I was reading the book, like, she, it wasn't, like, her character didn't ruin the book for me where I feel like she might have for some other people. Um, But she really didn't bother me that much, except, like, when she was, like, so nuts. Yeah. The scene between Danny and Aaron in chapter 3 is mirrored by the same scene in chapter 41. So that's the scene of, obviously, the premonition. How did your impressions of the two characters change over the course of the book? What did you think of how the author framed the novel with these chapters? I thought that was a really interesting literary tactic. One that, as a relatively new reader, I hadn't seen before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just crazy, like, what perspective can do. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, when things are taken out of context, like, it's like, you don't know. Like, you don't know the whole story. And then once you get it, it's like, wow, like, you can think something completely different. It's truly, it's mind-boggling. Totally. At the the start, I thought it was, like, some trippy, sci-fi, hot tub time machine, like, crackpot. (laughs) And then it was, like, truly the exact opposite. Like, couldn't have been sort of more predictable. (laughs) So, really threw me for a loop. Yeah. And what's different than I originally expected. No, it's well said that perspective and context are so important. And it also, like, I feel like as humans, we always want to know the future. Like, what's going to happen? When's the pandemic going to end? When can we go back to work? Like, when can we have our weddings? But it's like, in reality, do you want to know? Like, if she had known that that vision was because Bella died, like, how would she have been able to live those next five years in an orderly way like one million it's kind of like careful what you wish for you don't really want to know what the future holds because not only are you filling in the blanks wrong because you don't have the perspective or the context but it's not a healthy thing yeah no I think it's so good that she didn't like know what was coming for her because like honestly we have no idea what's gonna happen in five years and like just thinking about it like gives me a pit like I don't want to know but we think totally and like here she here she is thinking like oh my god like I'm about to steal away my best friend's boyfriend he's gonna move in with me like that's the worst possible thought that you could feel when meeting your best friend who (laughs) refuses to commit to anyone when you meet that person yeah but then you realize it's even worse than that (laughs) yes it's so much worse than that yeah like if you got a context less clip of your life in five years from now like I'm sure it'd be fucking scary fucking frightening yeah Yeah. and like as the reader trying to fill in the break blanks the entire book like we spent the whole book just trying to guess what was going to happen and that's what she was doing with her life like it's just mirroring on different levels why you don't want to (laughs) know what the future holds yeah definitely can I just say though I felt like Danny and Aaron had a weird bizarre dynamic from the start not it was from Aaron's side which I thought was funky like Think about when they went for that beach walk. In the water. And he, and the water, and they're splashing each other. And he looks at her and goes, and she's like, what? He's like, I just like Like you. Like you. I'm sorry. Don't look at me like that. Inappropriate. And don't say that me. You're my best friend's boyfriend. And also it's like, this was before we knew that she had ovarian cancer. So like, it, it couldn't have been like. The grief or the sadness, it was just pure emotion that he felt. So, I, But then he's telling Bella that they're soulmates. So, Is that the it author, was so though, off. just, like, trying to, like, put us into a headspace where we're like, oh, it's going to happen because they're telling us this small bit. Like, almost, like, not a good tactic because it's too obvious of what she was trying to do. I'm sure, and that's sort of 
one of many problems that I had with the story is that I feel like the author wasn't quite the voice that I needed in this book. Like, I felt like the author was doing a lot of manipulation throughout that I'm like, this is just kind of, like, throwing me for a loop. It's not really following for me. Yeah. Like, they would have certain conversations and Danny would look at Aaron and be like, excuse me? Like, no 30-year-old uses the phrase excuse me when you're talking to someone. Like, that's just not an interaction that you would see. But also, like, imagine we've, Jax, we were talking and, like, you said something and I'm like, excuse me? (laughs) That just doesn't go down. Yeah. Also, I just feel like whenever she spoke to Aaron, she was, like, trying to, like, talk through him, like, as though he knows about this vision. And, like... Yeah, he he just like wasn't picking up what she was putting down, <laughs> and so like it just made the whole dynamic like so weird. Like I just imagined every time that they interacted, she was like staring like deep into his soul, like trying to communicate with her eyes, and he was probably like, "Why is this bitch staring at me?" Yes, <laughs> yeah. totally, Snitch. Also, was anyone else getting like flashbacks to the husband's secret when the sisters? Or the friends, whatever they were. And, like, she was, like, forcing her husband to, like, obviously the three of them were so close. And then they ran off and had an affair. And I felt like that's what Bella was doing with Aaron and Danny. It's like, why are you so hung up on these two people, like, being best, best friends? Like, go to dinner, move on. Like, she didn't do anything to show that she didn't like him. It was just, like, I hate when people do that. Like, it's your fucking relationship. I'm your friend. Like, that's good enough. Totally. How annoying was that scene where she got sick in the restaurant and then they were interpreting it as like, you hate him so much totally. you had to fake sick. It's like no one would interpret that that way. Agreed. If you right. left the restaurant after meeting my boyfriend for five minutes because you got sick, I wouldn't be like, you hated him so much after exchanging one word that you had to leave. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying. It's just like, it, it was infuriating. Like why she has such a, like, a sore spot yeah for danny not like yeah like are you internalizing something greater than it is because like if you think i hate him this much like do you hate him (laughs) and like you want me to say it for you right because they were forcing this trope on us that in the past she didn't approve of her relationship so she had like a high bar it's like what past she was frolicking around europe and they like talked once every two months on the phone like i'm not buying this yeah like they're childhood friends if Aaron is so good for Bella, then, like, the proof is in the pudding. You don't just show up one week and, and, and your best friend loves your boy. Like, things take time. Give it some fucking time. Yeah. They were yeah. just, like, it was so immediate. It was just giving me hus- flashbacks to the husband's secret. And when I thought that Aaron and Danny were going to have an affair, and I was just like, this is all on you, Bella, throwing them together all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Next question. Oh, I thought this was interesting. Bella gifts Dan- gifts gifts. Danny, a print, you know, I'm just like struggling. Gifts Danny, a print by the artist Alan Grubasik that reads, I was young, I needed the money. All the characters in the book are well off financially by the time we meet them. What do you think the print's message means in the context of the story? This was totally lost on me. If someone could answer this question, that'd be great. Rebecca? I feel like it's an ode to following your mind versus your heart. And I feel like that often happens for the sake of setting yourself up for success or just setting yourself up for some structure in your life. Because many times we don't really have the luxury of following every whim that we like because we have responsibilities. Like we have a life and especially Danny, like she has a life that she's trying to build from age five. So I feel like she does take some, some, not, she, she, 
has like certain decisions that she makes for the sake of like setting up her life plan, even though like they're not necessarily like the most fun or whimsical or glamorous. So I feel like Bella's like, yeah, I'm calling you out on on your shit, and I'm giving you this print that highlights like you wrapped up in a in a mantra. Oh, interesting. I guess that kind of makes sense, also because like it was a gift Bella gave Danny when Bella knew she was dying. So like, is that? what like her message is to Danny like any time like going forward you know so like now when like Danny like sees it it's like that's what Bella would like somehow say but I don't I don't know it doesn't there's so many other things she could say yeah I it still is a little lost on me Dana yeah (laughs) well okay so they if you focus on like form over matter they did mention how the painting was an eye chart like if you can visualize it like the eye was big at the top and then was young smaller I needed the money smaller like an eye chart when you go to the eye doctor and I feel like that's important Mm. because it's like okay one vision is a big theme in the book obviously she had her vision premonition vision seeing into the future and it's like as you're straining to read this painting like getting more and more getting harder and harder to read as it goes down it's also getting harder and harder to like understand the future as you seek to peer into it two three five years down the road so like i thought that was a really interesting part of the painting that it was a vision test and then like also the content too um i was young that's past tense that playing again with like time like looking back from the present how is the past influencing the future etc and then also like money if we are no one's gonna cut her off no but honestly she's like like this is making some sense i don't know i'll take any explanation i can get yours made sense too rebecca but i i want to just understand like because i just feel like i don't know maybe i'm just so literal that like i would have gifted it something that said follow your heart like that would have just summed it up but no, I feel I, like they're kind of similar. Like, I kind of feel like they're synonymous in this case. Like, I think Bella realizes that Danny has never followed her heart. She's always done what's practical and what's expected in the plan. So I feel like Bella is calling her out on that, being like, yes, I get that you have done this your entire life. You were young. You needed the money. You did what you had to do. However, that phase can potentially, we can close that chapter and maybe, like, you should start this new phase of your life that is a little bit more spontaneous, add some more adventure, be a little less regimented. I feel that. That's intru- that I get. That's like more um, literal and understandable for me that like Danny's just been like working for that coin, but she doesn't need to anymore. And so she can make different choices because she's no longer young and no longer needs the money. Right. Yeah. And also like on money, it also goes to show like Bella was wealthy and no money in the world could have helped her health so it yeah. only goes so far. Very true. Yeah. Okay. I think I think we unpacked that. Um, Bella introduces... I thought this was interesting. Bella introduces her new boyfriend as Greg, but of course Danny already knows him as Aaron and has a hard time referring to him as anything other than Aaron. Why do you think he is introduced to us with two different names? Is Bella's version of him different from Danny's version of him? Also, what do you make of the fact that she does not call him Greg Snitch? Okay, I found this part to be so incredibly annoying and just, like, it's too much as a reader to keep up with when you're talking about the same person and he has two different names. Also, I felt as though it was incredibly disrespectful of Danny to be calling 
Bella's boyfriend by a different name and it's just like the whole thing just like rubbed me the wrong way and like Bella never said anything about it until she was on her fucking deathbed and then was like why do you call him Aaron and then she and then she was like that's his name and then it just like got swept under the rug but it's just like that whole thing was just rubbed me so weird I did not like it whatsoever and like I feel like Danny thought that was like her and Aaron's thing because she called him Aaron and it's like I even call him Aaron I don't see him as a Greg I see him as an Aaron and it's just like I don't like it. Yeah, it's like disres- I totally agree. It is disrespectful. It's like she thinks she knows him better than Bella because like she knew him first in her dream, and like she she's just every time she calls him Aaron, I'm just thinking of her dream, and so it makes me feel like she's thinking of her dream every time she calls him Aaron too. I think not so. Greg, her best friend's boyfriend. Also, like don't come up with a pet name for your best friend's boyfriend. It's just not your place. Yeah. yeah. Did you guys get when Bella said, I want you to meet Greg? Did it click then for you guys that, like, this is definitely him because no. of Gregory? It of did course for me. not. I thought when she said, I'm dating someone, blah, 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 I was like, oh, my God, it's the guy from the dream. And then she said his name is Greg, and I was like, oh, that guy's name was Aaron. But I, w- I just, like, tabled it for a second, and then the explanation came, and I was like, oh, yeah, I was right. And they did a good – I thought it was a good – mechanism because yeah. it kept me on my toes it was a good mechanism yeah, it, but then it, if that mechanism had ended and everyone go, just called him by the same name that would have been superb mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah okay i'm glad we i'm glad we can agree yeah um were you surprised that danny and aaron kissed when he reveals that the apartment is a gift from bella do you think it amounts to a betrayal of bella's trust how does danny and aaron's connection to bella intensify their own relationship so I think we all agree the kiss was fucked up. But, like, where did that come from? It was figgy fucked up. It came <laughs> from the fact that, like, they probably couldn't have just had sex in that last scene without any sort of buildup at all. So that was, like, the author's attempt to be like, okay, look, they, like, kind of had something before she died. So this is less crazy that they're now doing this. That's fair. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it felt forced again. I mean, it did feel forced. So insane. So not cool. Don't do that to your no, friend. She has enough on her plate. In the apartment that she bought you, that she decorated, that she literally built for you, you're going to stand there and kiss her fiancé. Yeah. Well, you know what I was thinking about? Like, to me, when I, again, when I thought that the end game was Danny and Aaron, and I saw Danny and Bella as, like, sisters, I was like, there's this thing in Judaism, it's really weird, um, not, I mean, I'm Jewish, so I guess I can say that, but it's more for like very um, uh, observant people. That if a man and a woman marry and the man dies before the woman has children with him, the woman has to marry his brother. Yeah. And it's not something that's really practiced, it's like a very uh, kind of obscure. Um, law biblical yeah biblical uh but it was reminding me of that where it's like they have this duty to bella to then be together and they'll always be like unified by her obviously that's not what winds up happening but that was where like my head was at when they were uniting over their grief and and they're just like sorrow in in bella and i also thought at some point that bella was going to be like (laughs) like you don't have love in your life (laughs) like Take him. Same. No, I thought that's where it was going. <laughs> I thought that's what was going to happen. Also, I feel like we actually, it reminded me of like the Jordan Woods Tristan situation. <laughs> like, here you are breaking up a family because of like this this kiss. However, if she and Tristan were like OTP, then I feel like we all would have been like, you know what? 
we're cool with right. this. 1,000%. We said that on the toast. We were like, if this is true, they better be in love, never breaking up, married for 50 years, white picket fence, six kids. Mm-hmm. So then... So then Danny and Aaron have this, like, magical moment while their mutually shared love is on her deathbed. And then they just don't even end up together? Like, I'm sorry, you just break the trust of, like, everyone around you and then you can't even bring it upon yourselves to make a relationship out of it and get, be happily ever after? Like, that's that's the only thing I was expecting. Yeah. yeah. At this point, it's the only thing that was, like, gonna, like, lift my spirits a tiny bit. Yeah, I think I that's what everyone expected because of the vision. Like, the vision made it sound like they were married, they were in love, this was a real engaged. thing. And then you get to that point, engaged, yeah. Also, you get to that point, and then you're like, oh, this was just a blip. And then it just forces you to, like, reanalyze everything that you had been building in your head. And I kind of liked, I didn't like that they'd end up together because it was a sadder story, but I liked how it kept on theme of, like, don't believe everything you see without perspective and context. Yeah. Also, yes. I just have something to say. So when she had the premonition or the vision or the whatever you want to call it, the dream, she was wearing an engagement ring. And they never said that it was on her middle finger. Right? Correct. Yeah. But then when it was actually happening, she stated that the ring was on her middle finger, which makes complete sense. Because, I mean, it was still weird that she was wearing Bella's engagement ring. But still, like, <laughs> we were led to believe that, like, she was wearing the engagement ring. She was, like, engaged, blah, blah, blah. And, like, that little tidbit, I think, could have been a little bit helpful if we had known it was on her middle finger and not her ring finger. Yeah. Oh, but Snitch, it's still a story. <laughs> yeah, like, then it wouldn't have thrown us so hard. Um, so, ultimately, were you surprised that they didn't end up together? And what do you think that this all means for Danny's journey and her future relationships? Okay. I was, I was surprised, but I was actually, like, relieved. Me too. <laughs> I was surprised. I really was. Because, like, especially the way that that chapter ended, and it was, like, it was just grief, period, on to the next. I was like, holy shit, okay, that took a turn. But, I... It's just, like, I felt like such a shitty person for, like, wanting it to happen because, like, that's, like, what I was just expecting. So once I no longer had to even, like, have that option to, like, ship them anymore, I was relieved, like, for myself. And I was just relieved that it didn't happen. But I think that it needed to happen because in the grand scheme of things, the whole point was for Bella to, like, show Danny the way that she could love someone and be loved. And so at first, I guess Danny thought that might have been Greg slash Aaron, but she, but it wasn't, but she saw that there was so much more love for her to give and receive, and so that, like, that's why, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I was I was only surprised because I was so primed to think that they'd be together because of the vision, but then when they weren't, it was kind of like I just said, where you rearrange everything, and you're like, well, yeah, duh, they had, like, no real relationship throughout this entire book. It would feel fake now if they were in love, because I never got that vibe from them. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, the biggest shock of all, though, was Dr. Shaw. I was not surprised. I was not surprised. I got such a vibe when they, like, kept mentioning him. But then also when he, like, took her to the Starbucks cart that was, like, hidden. I was like, this is, like, kind of, like, really intimate. I was like, this is not just, like, him being nice. Like, I got a vibe. So when I saw it, like, I can't believe people are so surprised by it. Like, I totally saw it coming. Did they ever describe I- what he looked like? No. I mean, I had him as Dr. Fauci, so. Okay. <laughs> I had him, has anyone watched My 600-Pound Life? Yes. No. I had him as the doctor from that show. Like, oh, my God. I did, not, I did not see him as old. Like, I, I don't know. I just, I felt it. I just saw it coming. I did not see that. No, I all. never saw it coming in a million years. So, like, then when they came to the vehicle shop, I was like, oh, like, she's going to, like, strike up, like, a loving 
friendship with this older Dr. Fauci type character. <laughs> 1000%. Well, they couldn't leave her without her husband, without Aaron, without something to throw us of like, oh, maybe she'll find someone. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, she'll be fucking fine. She'll be she'll fucking figure fine. It out. At first, I thought that she was going to end up with her boss. But, no, but he's no, guy. Yeah, no, he has a husband, but we didn't know that for a while, so I thought that's where it was going. I thought I thought her boss was going to be Aaron. Aaron, yeah. Mm, interesting. I also kept thinking that when she was coming home after, like, weeks without David and then two ships in the night, that she was going to finally get home and, like, surprise him in her lingerie and he was going to be with someone Me too. A hundred percent. That's one of the questions that we got from the redheads, and I want to unpack David in the next segment. Snitch has something to say. Yes, I would like to unpack David and going to the gym. Because I don't, yes. I don't understand, and I do think that there's a whole other David story and plot that we just don't know about. There's a chance he was definitely having, like, Sequel. an affair. Something was going on, because, like, all the little gym innuendos, and he was always like, but he doesn't like the gym. He's like, yeah, well, whatever, that's what he said. But it's like, no, there's totally something going on, and I feel like there's so much more to David than we know. Yeah, they set it up to make it seem like David was about to come out with being an affair or something. Um, I want to unpack David in the next segment, which is the Redheads questions. Let's get into the Redheads questions. You guys sent great questions this week, and I can't wait to talk about them. So let's get into David. I'm super invested in how you guys felt about David and how he evolved as a character. At first, I was like, wow, he's great. But then I couldn't help but get annoyed by him, and I thought he was absent from their relationship and distant. Not that Danny wasn't, but I would think that if they were dating for so long, he'd be able to call her on her shit, LOL. Um, LOL. I'm, I'm not sure what the question there was. I think it's just like thoughts any- on David. Yeah, and did any of you feel like there were hints that David was cheating, but then we never got any more info from the clues? There were two instances that really stuck out to me. First, one of the times is when Danny and David are about to have sex. He bites her nipple, and Danny immediately says, ow, and she mentions how he's never done that. And then second, she mentions how they got engaged, how before they got engaged, she has a gym membership he never uses. Then later in the book, Danny is talking to Bella about David, and Danny mentions he's at the gym, and even Bella was confused by that statement. Maybe I'm jaded and just expected him to be cheating since their relationship was obviously growing distant but I'm curious to hear if you guys thought it too yeah I mean we were just speaking about how we expected Danny to walk into the apartment and like find him with another woman um there was something about him that didn't add up right but what I felt yeah there something went awry but there was something so weird because it was like anytime him and Danny the rare times they actually spoke about their relationship it was always like he was all in he was in love he loved her he was perfect and she was the problem but it's like if you really did, like, lo- like there's so many things that just didn't add up about that relationship. And it's like, I feel like while Danny was kind of annoying, she got, like, the full brunt of the blame for everything that happened. But it's like, he didn't really do anything. Yeah. yeah. But, like, also, guys like David don't exist. Like, this is a man who had zero needs, like, needed zero <sighs> affection, was apparently not having an affair. So he was fine with his life of just, like, being so ambitious and driven. And I get that some men are like that, but he was being described in, like, the exact same way as her. And I've never met any guy like that who, like, is fine to see you or not see you, like, ever. Um, And it doesn't sound like they're, like, having a lot of sex or they're having, like, intimate, affectionate, you know, relationships. And I just felt like he's not a real character. I felt like they created a framework for how they were going to operate their relationship. 
and they just stuck to it a little too closely. It felt like they just, like, sort of needed to break out of this construct that they created for themselves in order to be able to exist as a couple happily, and they just didn't do that, and that's their demise. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't really get a scandalous vibe from him, although what you're saying makes a lot of sense, if it was. I just thought he was a doormat. (laughs) Yeah, but, like, he's such a catch. So how is he such yeah. a doormat? Like, he had all of these different things that, like, you never get in one person, you know? Yeah. I think you just get lazy after a certain while. Like, in the beginning, their relationship wasn't like that. And then maybe he just held on to the hope that they really were busy. And then before you know it, you're on parallel tracks and you can't reach out and touch each other anymore. Yeah, that line is actually so pertinent and great for our next question which really shook me this reader says i read this book on a flight home from the east coast to quarantine with my parents in the midwest the line from the book about moving through life parallel to each other and not colliding hit me so hard that i broke up with my boyfriend of three years the next day now the quarantine life is so so weird i don't know if i let a book get to my head or made the right move lol help is the book as factual about life as i think it was or am i way too dramatic to let a fictional story influence my actions do you think it's her fault for not making them collide? Like she should have made them collide earlier if she thought he was being, if he was the one. Is the not colliding just a cop out for her not being into him? Wow, I'm like so shook. Oh my god! Please take your boyfriend back. You're in quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> like just no, kidding. I think that that honestly, if you felt like this was the right decision for you, here I am, like trying to give my two cents then I'm sure this was just the push that you needed. Deep down, you recognize that there was something awry and that you weren't getting the fulfillment that you needed from your relationship. And I'm happy that that this Redheads Book Club read was the, the spark that that led to this new chapter in your I life. agree because like if a line like hits you that hard and it's like it like if it really just like pointed you in that direction then like you were you were getting there and then like also that line isn't that unrealistic like if it wasn't like if if what they were saying was like something so crazy and then you like took it upon yourself to like take that to heart but like I feel like what what they were saying like made complete sense and then it's like it's helpful for you to realize like oh I'm on a parallel track I'm in a Danny David relationship and I need to get out. Yeah, or just, like, move the tracks closer to each other. But it's, like, when you read any book, like, you take out, like, what you're looking for and, like, the lessons and the you highlight in the Kindle, like, the things that yeah. speak to you. And so I feel like if that's how you're feeling and this is the – you fucking took that swift action. You didn't wait to write this question and get our thoughts. Like, yeah. you were just off the plane, sending the text. Like, I think – Go with your gut. And I think at three years into a relationship is the time to make that call. You've seen it through. You see what it is. And so you're not being hasty, but you're also not wasting too much of your time. Um, I think, I think I, I, I like this decision for you. I do. Me too. And now you're like back in the Midwest. I want you to have like a Hallmark moment. You know, <laughs> I, I think, I think this could be exciting. And then by the way, I feel like after the quarantine, if you regret your decision, you could be like, oh my God, quarantine brain, like. I didn't mean it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you meant it, you know? Yeah. yeah like, I think it's just it's <laughs> Yeah, just blame it on us. We'll take, we'll take the heat. Okay. Next question, which I actually love, is 
about New York City. I was wondering how you guys felt about the New York City aspect of In Five Years. As someone who doesn't live in the city, I felt like I missed some of the some of the references, getting engaged at the Rainbow Room, dreaming of living in Gramercy Park, etc. Did they all track? What was your favorite or least favorite New York element of the book? Okay, I thought the New York element of the book all tracked, like from start to finish, from Murray Hill to Gramercy to the Rainbow Room to Dumbo, like the author really hit the nail on the head of like the vibe of each neighborhood even like they were in the west village and where um bella lives versus where danny lives i think she really got it all right um and some of the restaurants i hadn't heard of either like where they go to brunch and whatnot but the rainbow room like it, the best oh is it the best we should go there yeah <laughs> we should do a red oh my gosh brunch. it's so great oh we should do a redheads brunch it's it's hard to get a little table but we can definitely do it and it's so funny because I mentioned that that Danny is me and me is Danny because of the main line and the the Jersey Shore, but also like I live in the West Village, like all of these these restaurants that she mentioned, like the Ruby Rosa, the Bouvet, Wild. How she made fun of Bella for ordering from Wild is so spot on. It is so gross, <laughs> and it's like all gluten free and vegetarian, and like oh, like this is so great. It's so bad. Oh my god, so that's like so that, funny. That like all of that yeah. I didn't even register, like the West Village isms, but you know, all the basic Murray Hill shit. Yeah, I got there. you there. <laughs> so funny. Um also um, just something that I highlighted because I truly didn't know this, but did you know that Dumbo is short for down under the Manhattan Bridge overpass? Didn't know that either. Mind blown. Mind, Mind blown. blown. Yeah, had no idea. I really appreciated that. I looked over. I asked my boyfriend. I was like, "Did you know this?" And he was like, "Yeah, of course, of course." I was like, "Oh, he would know." Of course. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was a good one. Um, yeah, I like. I mean, I don't. We don't read that many books that are like set in New York, and New York is so much a part of the story. Um, yeah. That I really liked knowing exactly what she was talking about. The the you know geography made sense. Sometimes you know you can go uptown and then you wind up like like technically in a different neighbor like you know it just doesn't make sense all the time um and and I loved the New York element I thought it really added to the story yeah I agree and it made me miss New York just being New York me too but reading books is like so much better than watching tv for me in the queue because like I can't see all the food they're eating and like the caprese salads and the sancerre al fresco like watching reality tv (laughs) is actually hurting my soul but reading about it is easier on me yeah agreed Great. Okay, cool. Um, This person loved and hated that that it was a short read. It was easy to breeze through, but at times I didn't understand why characters were acting the way they were, slash making the choices that they were, like when Aaron kissed Danny. I found myself wanting more details about the characters so I could better understand them and the choices they made throughout the book. Did you feel that way too? If so, were some other actions and decisions that characters made you didn't understand? Did you feel like we got a good understanding of these characters? No, it did feel a little short. Like, 260 pages, like, it's just not a lot for a book, I don't think. Yeah. I just didn't think that we needed any more. Like, I was, I <laughs> was, was done. done when yeah, I was, was done. done. Rebecca, I'm yeah. so shocked I feel you like didn't we... like it because of, like, how much it was you and, like, how much you could, like, relate to it. Like, the, I... 100%. I, that's not what I'm looking for out of a book. But, like, like once I'm in with a while, me all the time. Once in a while. Once in a while, I got it with Before We Were Strangers. Like, you were book. not Grace, okay? No, but, like, it, it was, like, a sappy story. Like, I just needed a divergence. Like, I just was, I had read this story in some form so recently. Like, I just want, like, give me, like, gore and give me, like, misery, but not this kind of misery. <laughs> oh, yeah, I feel that. 
it, it, it didn't take me anywhere. You know, I felt like I was just in my own world, like listening to my friend's problems. A hundred percent. I think I'm, that is actually a really great point, Jackie. Like I, it was my life and like, I'm, I don't want to be in my life right now. Like it's not fun. Like please put me on a plane and take me elsewhere. Like, I'll read about anything but me. Honestly, it was an escapist. <laughs> this conversation's making me feel really good about the book that I chose for the next good. two weeks because it is yes. a bit of a departure from where we've been. And even if it's bad, I'll just say that you guys made me do it. Um, okay, those were the top best questions from the Redheads. I feel like we've really gone through this book. So what would you say is the moral of the story? Let's start with Dana. Easy. Man plans, God laughs. Wow, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Bravo. Bravo. That is the moral it, of the story. I was going to say some bullshit about love again. Like, love conquers all. Believe in love. Uh, yeah. I don't know. But no, that's it. Yeah, mine was... Mine was life doesn't happen as planned, but yours is way better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or that, like, sometimes, even though, like, I don't believe this, but in some people's cases, like, friends are your family. Like, Bella, her parents were trash, and all she really mm-hmm. had was Danny. And so, like, I think that yeah. there's an aspect. Or, like, in life, you need a healthy balance of control. Like, you should be controlling in some aspects. You should be responsible. But you should also, at the same time, accept that you don't have control over most things that happen and strike that balance where you're not always disappointed or you're not always being a crazy person. Yeah. Yeah. Can I just say, though, I loved, like, her job aspect of the book. Like, she was just, like, crushing it at work. And, like, even when she thought she was slacking, she was just, like, getting promoted. Like, that – no, but, like, I liked that she was successful and good at her job and into her job. And it wasn't like she just had a mental break one day and was like, I'm done being a planner and, like, just left everything that she worked so hard for. I feel like that happens a lot where it's like, this isn't making me happy. I'm quitting my job. I'm moving. But, like, she had something that really made her happy. And I feel like that goes back to what Snitch was saying is, like, I feel like there are a bunch of cards that we can be dealt in life. There's love, there's family, friendships, success, work, etc. You don't get all of them, but making the most of the hand that you're you given. Were yeah. Yeah. So I feel like she was got she did get that, you know, that rewarding feeling from her work. She had that from her friend. Um she could use another card and she'll go and get one, but it's it's all fluid. Yeah. Yeah. And I do, in, like, connection with that, I do like how it was a no-brainer that she was always going to be at the hospital for Bella. Like, she has this crazy job, but she didn't think twice or even express really that much stress about, like, going to the hospital and missing meetings. She's like, I'll bring my work with me, and I'm obviously going. I liked that about her, too. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. Well, let's get into the Hollywood treatment. Are you guys ready? I really struggled with this one. I don't know if my brain just wasn't working or the... I don't my, know why I would struggle with this. My individual ones just, are good, but like as a cast, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> okay, it's I feel just that. Hard. It's hard to plan for Hollywood treatment when this book was anything but. <laughs> oh my god! Wow, <laughs> wow. No, honestly, if they made this book into a movie, like it would not be good. It would be annoying no. and frustrating. Yeah, and the characters would not be like dealt into enough. It just it it wouldn't be good as a book, but. If they were to. Wait, speaking of, has anyone re- read Normal People by Sally Rooney? Yeah. Has anyone been watching the show on Hulu? No, I heard it's like a porno. <laughs> oh, well, I read the book. All the more reason. I read the book, and I, I really, like, I did not love the book, and I did not think it would Same. make for a good show, and, like, I don't really want to watch the show, because I feel I like... I felt the way about Little Fires Everywhere, too. Like, how did that rise to the level of 
a TV show. I know people love it, but I felt the same about Normal People. It's like, why is this so popular and why is it a show? I completely agree. Okay, so let's start with Danny. Who would everyone have played Danny? Rebecca, let's start with you because you're the closest to Danny in the club. I had Allison Brie. I don't know why. I just yeah. felt like it made sense. We don't really get a sense of like what Danny's physical appearance yeah. is. And I feel like Allison Brie is kind of like, of course she's beautiful, but like she's not like this, like the one that we always talk about in terms of like hotties. Yeah. So I thought she was like ambiguously beautiful enough to play Danny. Yeah. That's a great And I choice. saw her as a brunette. Yeah. Me, oh, me, me too. too. Blair and Serena. Snitch, who'd you have? I saw Katie Stevens. She plays Jane in The Bold Type. Oh, my God. That's a great one. Yeah. You mean Rebecca Rittenberg. Great She one. plays Jane in The Bold Type. <laughs> right. Exactly. Wow. That's, that's it, Snitch. That's the look. Thank you. I think you win this round. But, Dana, let's see. Who do you have? Anne Hathaway. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, here's the thing. Like, it would have been Anne Hathaway. I don't know how old she is, but, like, 10 years ago. Because they do mm-hmm. start at 28. Not, like, Anne Hathaway is the vibe. It's that same. It's that Anne Hathaway, Kate Hudson um, friendship dynamic from Bride Wars, you know, but they're just like a little mm-hmm. bit younger than that. Or Anne Hathaway in the Double Wears Prada. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with that. I, like that work ethic. I always think of Anne Hathaway when like these books describe these like women who are not like the most beautiful girl in the room, but like beautiful enough, and someone's obsessed with them, and I'm like, oh yeah, Anne Hathaway. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, I had Emmy Rossum. Great one. Because she's brunette and she's Jewish and (laughs) I think I could see her in like her pantsuit like going to the law firm and busting some balls. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, next up we have Bella. Snitch, who did you have? Cara Delevingne. (laughs) I don't know why. I just like, (laughs) I don't like her as an actress, sorry. But like she has the vibe. I guess. I just, I feel like she's Cara Delevingne. Yeah, and Cara Delevingne is very like... Cara Delevingne is very edgy, and I feel like Bella's more whimsical. Fuck you. Who'd you have, Jackie? I had, I had Britt Robertson. Okay, she's like a baby. No, she's not. She is probably 28 years old. Britt Robertson and Emmy Rossum, like, just aren't friends. Britt Robertson is 30. I am on point. But she's playing college students. Sure. Yeah. Dana? <laughs> I had Billie Eilish. <laughs> Just because their, like, names are similar? And because she's, like, edgy and artsy and different. She's not edgy. She's whimsical. <laughs> um, legitimately, like, I, I, this might be your worst one yet. Like, it's almost like you're doing it on purpose she is. now. Like, there's... <laughs> Actually, no way that Billie Eilish was your choice for like the stunning blonde, whimsical. Uh, yeah, the stunning, not really, but like everything. No, she's else. really pretty. She's beautiful. But, like, she's but beautiful, but she has green roots. Yeah. Right, but she has green hair, and and they didn't say that Bella had green hair. But like Bella could have yeah, had didn't... green hair. No. Oh, no, she couldn't have. Wow. Okay, Becky, who did you have, please? Uh, I mean, I. I'm clearly the only one grounded in in reality, and I had Amanda Seyfried, obviously. You love her. Oh, I like that one, actually. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. always choose her. She's just a fit. Yeah, she's like an Anne Hathaway. Like she, the t- Anne Hathaway and Amanda Seyfried would have been good. They yeah. just seem too mature. These girls seemed younger for some reason, Me, even though yeah. they are 33. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay, who did everyone have for Aaron slash Greg? Snitch? 
Okay, I had Charlie Hunnam. Do you know who that is? Okay. He, yeah. like, is such a hottie. That's just what I saw. Yeah. Dana? I had Joe Altwin. Okay. Okay. Yes. That's, That's really good. good. Woohoo! Good job, Dave. Becky? I had Ansel Elgort. That's a good one, too. I had yeah. um, Scott Eastwood. Because I just oh, thought of Aaron I mean, as, like, I the think, hottest no, guy. I think Scott Eastwood is, like, truly too hot for the role. <laughs> no, but mm-hmm. I think Aaron was, like, meant to be so hot. And that way, like, Scott Eastwood and Britt Robertson can be back together. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they're meant to be playing each other's partners. I agree. I agree. I could see it. Okay, who did everyone have for David? Nerdy, quiet, little, needless David. Okay. Um, I'm not, like, crazy about this one, but, like, it was, I just couldn't think of anyone else. I couldn't think of, I just, like, I can't, I can think of a face that I need, but not, like, the actor's name, because they're not, like, a showstopper. Yeah. <laughs> um, Justin Long. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's the vibe. That's the vibe. Yeah. It wasn't it, but it was, like, the vibe. Yeah, Dana. Did you guys ever watch Scandal? Yeah. There's a David Rosen in that whose name was the same as David Rosen in this book. Okay, and they're both I feel like David Rosen was like a little bit too old, but like I, it, it's not a bad choice. Okay, Becky, I had David David Cornsweet, who's River Are you from kidding The Politician. Me? He's literally. Are you kidding he me? He could have played Aaron. <laughs> like he's the perfect man. He's perfect. Yeah. He's no I David. Would, I would. David was the perfect guy. Flat. Ben Platt is David. Yeah, and David. See, this yeah. is another. Is this Aaron. is another time that we we misinterpret. Like I envisioned David as like this hottie. Like sometimes he wears glasses. Like I was I was into it, and I, I thought I envisioned David as good looking too, but not like sexy. Like yeah. just like you know, looks like, like nice. Nobody would leave David Cornsweet. That's true. She was like routinely turned on by him. Like even after a bunch of years together, like they're clearly. She's inspired. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I had the Brian Greenberg. He's too old for the role, but I was thinking of him like in he's in Bride Wars. He Bride Wars. He plays Kate Hudson's brother. Any of the guys from Bride Wars would actually have worked. They're just like nice guys who are husband material. Aw, cutie. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and then for Doctor Shaw. I'll go first. I had Dr. Nazaradon from My 600-Pound Life. (laughs) (laughs) Rebecca, who did you have? I had Dr. Fauci from (laughs) my CDC Life. The best one. Snitch, who did you have? I'm just kidding. I actually had Derek Shepard, a.k.a. McDreamy, a.k.a. Patrick Dempsey. That's who I had! Wow. That's a good well, one. Well, we both took a doctor. <laughs> but that's just not how I saw him throughout the book, so I had to just be I honest. had Josh Bowman. He was Daniel Ooh. Grayson in Revenge. Yeah, he's nice. hot. Okay. I think, I think those are some good castings. It, it doesn't matter because I don't think that this will be made into a film anytime <laughs> soon, but you never know. You yes. never know. Um, okay, I think it is time for our overall Redheads rating. Are you guys ready? to rumble okay snitch please go first because as we all know this was a snitch's choice i'm gonna give this a four 
I thought it was a great read. Oh, God. <laughs> You're scaring me. I thought it was a great read, and it really just, like, made me think, and it was so enjoyable, and, like, there was nothing not to enjoy about reading this book. Like, it was a nice story. It was very just, like, emotional about love, about friendship, and it was relatable. I just thought, I thought it was very well done. I didn't think it was a five, but I thought it was a four. Okay, that's very fair. You know what? I'll just piggyback off of you because I gave it a four also for the same reasons I enjoyed my time with this book. It didn't take me anywhere a five might take me, but it definitely wasn't husband's secret. So I'm going to give it a firm four. Becky? Ladies, we are getting so soft. This is clearly a (laughs) 2.5. Do what you got to do. I'm sorry. Do what you got to do. I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm holding true. It, it missed the mark for me and I felt like we didn't get the like the author's voice didn't really track for me for a lot of reasons like some of the conversations were misaligned I felt like there was some manipulation in a lot of the characters and I felt like a lot of the themes didn't track for me either also did anybody so, see all the typos no no, no. Okay, there were so many typos just like as I was reading it like it was really fucking pissing me off that's oh, it wow I yeah. missed that Okay, Dana, your rating. Still going to give it that four snitch? (laughs) It's the four because of the typos. (laughs) I gave it a 3.5 just because I, like, really do love those themes that deal with time and looking forward and looking backwards. Like, the whole time you're looking to fill in the blanks of the vision, but they also were able to interweave things like the past where she thought her beach house in Margate didn't have a blue awning, but it did have a blue awning. Like they didn't only focus on the future. They focused how you can shift memories on the past too. And I love that interplay, but overall I agree that writ I was reading another rom-com, which is not my favorite kind of book. So that's why it's a 3.5. Okay. I think that's very fair, which means our overall redheads rating for in five years by Rebecca Searle is a 3.5. Okay. That seems about Woo! right. That seems right. Yeah. I feel good about that. I think we've had some, we had two really strong books. This book is, was pretty mediocre, above average. I, yeah. um, I liked it. Any book that I can finish in one sitting is a good book. Yeah. Yes. I would agree with that. Okay, cool. So speaking of other good books, let's all talk about what we read since the last episode of The Redheads Recorded. Before I share the books that I read, I want to let you guys know about the new book that is coming out by our friends at the Lady Gang Podcast. They've written a new book and you can order it now. It's called Act Like a Lady, Questionable Advice, Ridiculous Opinions, and Humiliating Tales from Three Undignified Women. It's available on theladygang.com or wherever books are sold. Act Like a Lady is a part memoir, part self-help book with all the sass and humor of the hit podcast. The book is broken down into four sections, your relationship with your lover, with yourself, with your friends, and your career, and it features hilarious advice and essays from the hosts of The Lady Gang, Kelty, Becca, and Jack, as well as illustrations, manifest lists, connect the dots, and a dictionary of words that they completely made up. Okay, I had the pleasure of reading this book a few weeks ago when they came on our show. They brought an advanced copy of it. And I loved it so, so much. I love the format. I love the stories. I judge a good like celeb memoir based on how many times it makes me laugh or get emotional. And this book made me do both. And I just, I loved it. I loved hearing more about Becca, Jack, and Kelty because I think they're all so interesting in their own way. They each have such fascinating backstories. They've all worked so hard to get to where they are. And the book is just like, if you're feeling down about yourself in any sort of way, the book is the exact pick-me-up that you need. I'm so excited 
should talk about it with the redheads and you should definitely pick up a copy if you haven't yet. So head over to www.theladygang.com or wherever books are sold. It's available for pre-order on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, IndieBound, or wherever you get your books. Um, highly recommend, highly recommend, definitely. I actually, I gave it a five on Goodreads because um, that's how I felt it was as a influencer memoir. Influencer memoir. I can't wait to read it. Yeah, you guys should definitely read it. I think you would really, really like it. I think you would laugh a lot. Okay, with that said, the other books that I read this two weeks, uh, I read two books. The first book um, was Educated by Tara Westover. It was recommended to me by a lot of people, including Rebecca and Dana, and I loved it. I read it in in 24 hours. I would rate it a 5 it took me places. It taught me things. It actually changed my whole week because after I read that book, I was scrolling Netflix for some crap to watch and I saw this show Waco where they reference Ruby Ridge, Idaho. And I was like, oh, I just heard about Ruby Ridge from this book Educated. And I hadn't heard about Ruby Ridge before. So I decided to watch the show Waco, which just opened up a whole world of content of like 90s crime that I've been watching because this book just got me so down that path. Um, the book is incredible. It's an incredible story. When I was reading it, I'm pretty sure like in the beginning, I, I knew it was a true story, but I, I, I never really like read descriptions of the books that I'm reading. So I didn't think about it too much. But halfway through, I'm like, wait, this is a true story. It's the craziest story. If it were, uh, if it were um, fiction, I would say this book is insane. There's no way these things could happen. This would never happen to anyone. I wouldn't believe it if someone wrote it as fiction. So if you haven't read it, I know a lot of people have read it, but if you haven't, I definitely recommend it. It's one of those books that makes you think and just takes you places and just changes your outlook. So I absolutely loved it. And the other book that I read was a recommendation from Dana called Today Will Be Different by Maria Semple. Um, I read this book in like, I think two days. It was a really quick great read. I actually recommended that Rebecca read it after me because I think the author has a similar personality. Like she's just so sassy and funny and um, it was really great. So I would recommend that and I would give that a four if I didn't say that already. So Snitch, what have, what did you read? I haven't read anything. Her parts are dying. Yeah, I haven't read but... anything this month, this week. Oh, that's totally I fair. love you, Snitch, for keeping it real. Yeah, no, I'm not going to fucking lie. I just haven't been, okay? Judge me. No, I hear you. Who's judging um, you? You. No, I'm not. I'm proud of you. Thank you. You work so hard. Uh, yeah. Jax, you look at a book and it's read. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. You, you take a, the book's clothing off with your eyes. LOL. Well, I can use some more recommendations um, if anybody wants to give them to me. I got you. Bex? Uh, I read Verity this month. Oh which my god, I was you did? So looking forward to. I did. And I I think I let everyone's hype get the best of me because I was like, expecting my mind to be blown into a million pieces, which of course it was. Like there were a lot of twists and turns, but like when it was over, I was like, wait, I'm still expecting a thousand more twists and turns based on everyone's feedback. So I do feel like that's just like a piece of advice that I'm gonna take with me is like not let everybody's perceptions and interpretations get in the way of like my own description and view of the book but I thought it was so good it was such a quick read and like I needed that like boost of morale and confidence and like the the length that it takes me to read a book yeah I would read it a four okay fair Dana 
I read this book called Saint X by Alexis Shaken. Uh, it was good. I won't spoil any of it, but I finished it quickly. It's not one of my favorites, so I'll read the 3.6. And I also read Homegoing by Yagiasi. I saw people post about it in the Redheads, actually, and it had been on my list, so that's why I read it. And it's different. It's like interwoven perspectives of African cultures, so it's not like anything I'd usually read, but it was really good. I would rate it a 3.4. And that's Great. it. Nice. Awesome. Okay, cool. Well, now it is time for me to let you know what my pick for the next book is. Um, I can't believe we're already back to me. We've done a full cycle of TRBC. And honestly, I think we've like really hit on so many different topics and perspectives. And I love where the book club is taking us. I love that all of our choices are so different. And that even though it might not be somebody's favorite genre of book, that we're just switching it up. So which is why I decided to just go off book for my next choice. My next choice is... The Glass Hotel by Emily St. John Mandel. It is a bit of a thriller. I read, um, you know, the back of the book, obviously, in some of the reviews. And it's more, it seems to me like it's like a glamorous thriller mystery novel. And I'm just in the mood for something different. So so are all Same. of you now. I'm I think it's going to be good. And if it's, if it's not, then you get a new one in two weeks. So I'm excited too. Just like shake things up Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, Can't well, wait. everyone, that's all she wrote. I think all of our AirPods are dying. This is, like, one of the longest podcasts of all time. So we are going to let you go. Thank you so much for being a part of this book club, for reading the books with us or just listening if you don't even like the books. We love you all so much. Make sure you're in the Redheads Book Club and following us on Instagram at the Redheads. We will see you in two weeks with our next episode. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Bye.